Welcome aboard on a Thursday, June 22nd. Let's buckle up because uh, we have got a lot to talk about with the team's name on this show. It's uh, Steinberg. For the first time this week, Flames Talk with you. We chose a good day to be back. Aaron Vickers from FC Hockey and NHL.com as well. We are available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Let's get newsy. Let's just jump into everything we're hearing because there is a ton of reporting out there from Elliot Friedman and Frank Saravalli on not one, not two, not three, but now four key Flames players. The general consensus is Noah Hannafin not coming back, will be traded. Elias Lindholm, we're waiting for an answer. Michael Backlund, uncertain at best. And now Tyler Toffoli available via trade per Elliott Friedman earlier on Thursday. So I'll just, I've been checking in on this stuff as best as I can on this Thursday. I'll just jump in with a few things that that, um, I've been able to ascertain, which may be old news, which may just be confirming some things, which may may be some new stuff. You be the judge. I mean, first of all, the Hannafin stuff, that's zero surprise. We've been talking about that for a week now. So Noah Hannafin was about midweek last week, uncertain at best is what we told you, where he sat, and then I believe it was Friday that it started to become more of a, yeah, he's basically not coming back. And, and I do believe now that Hannafin has informed, as as we've heard, I, I believe Hannafin has informed the Flames that his intention is not to re-sign with the team beyond this season. He's got one year left on his deal. So, yeah, I, in, in, and I believe it was done in a very professional way, in a very, um, you know, in a, in a very friendly way, but just like, hey, here's what I'm leaning. I want to give you the, the full transparency of where things are. So, we are talking about a Hannafin trade this summer being very, very likely. And Flames fans, you should prepare yourself for Noah Hannafin to being to, to be dealt. That that I think you can pretty much get ready for at some point, whether it's at the draft next week in Nashville, whether it's two weeks from now, whether it's come you know late July, whatever the case may be. Uh, I think you can probably prepare yourself for that. First of all, hi Vix, how are you? Hey, buddy, a lot can happen when you walk to the station in 20 minutes, hey? No kidding. Um, So that's where things are on Noah Hannafin. I don't think over the last week or so there's a ton of surprise in that regard. No, that was one of the elements that you were not waiting on a confirmation, but you could kind of, if you're reading the tea leaves a little bit and trying to sort out, even from a Calgary Flames perspective, if you needed to fill a, a role up front, what would you do with your blue line? And Noah Hannafin was a candidate prior to this news given the fact that the return for him should, in theory, be quite adequate to substantial, given the fact that he's 26 years old, given the fact that he was second on the Flames' blue line in ice time, given the fact that he's got, what, 600 games under his belt, the way he skates, the way he plays, so on and so forth, and then to actually hear the news that he would be not interested in resigning long-term with the Calgary Flames just made all that more real. So when you get that news, 
it's more of a slight head nod than a jaw drop. So from that perspective, finding out that Noah Hannafin again, is a known, big candidate to be traded, not a surprise. And we're not even finding out. We've known that for yeah. a week now that, you know, the far more likely than not that Hannafin gets dealt and it makes way more sense for Hannafin to be dealt this summer than waiting into the season. I think right. you're maximizing. It doesn't have to be at the draft. I get that there's a lot of, hey, this is a deep draft. And, and if you can and you can get the type of deal that the Flames are looking for, that Craig Conroy is looking for at this year's draft before picks are put in, then sure, absolutely. But Anyway, let's move. Uh, let's move to Lindholm. Let's just keep it rapid fire off the front. There's so much going on. Uh, Lindholm, yes, uh, I believe that negotiations continue. I believe a deal is on the table for Elias Lindholm. Um, I've I've heard um, in the. I know that Elliot has said in the eight and a half range, uh, talking about Bo, Bo Horvat's extension with the New York Islanders. I've heard anywhere in the eight and a half to nine million dollar range on an annual average value for Elias Lindholm. Uh, upwards of nine is is what I've heard at times when it comes to what's on the table for Lindholm. Now they wait to see whether or not that's enough to get it done. So you're talking about anywhere between, quick math, 68 and $72 million on the table for Elias Lindholm over the span of uh, an eight-year contract. That's a lot of money. Uh, we don't know where things sit. This was Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick Show, wherever you get your podcasts in 10 till 12 here on Sportsnet 960 Live. This was earlier from Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet on Thursday. They are waiting for Lynn Holmes' decision. And Lynn Holmes' decision yep. is the linchpin to a lot of this. We already know that Hannafin has indicated uh, he's not going to resign. And I think that the decision uh, that Lynn, uh, from Lynn Holmes is going to um, really determine a lot of where Calgary is going here. Um, you know, I, I believe that I've said many times, I think that the number to keep him is going to be in the Horvat range, eight times 8.5, same agency. So it makes a lot of sense. I think that Lindholm wanted to make sure that it wasn't going to be a rebuild. I think he was understanding that some of the young kids were going to have to play, but, you know, he didn't want to rebuild. But, but he still hadn't decided. And, um, you know, I, I think until the Flames get that decision, I think it's, I, I don't think we know which way they're going to go. And um, I had heard they weren't pressuring him. They didn't necessarily need it before the draft. But whenever Lindholm uh, makes his choice, I think that's going to determine a lot of what happens in, in Calgary. So they wait on that. But I think they know to keep them it's going to be in the Horvat range so that's Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick show earlier Thursday I'd have no problem paying Lindholm to stay and I think that that I, I, I believe for the Flames that remains still the top priority and the desired outcome and and I believe it should be the top priority and desired outcome here I still think instead of trade you'd rather keep Elias Lindholm on your team I believe that he does the, the the monetary value I think is important here. I, I think Lindholm looks at this as his opportunity to get a, a life changing contract 
And I think that he understands that right now there is an opportunity, whether it is here or if a trade happens, to strike while the iron's hot where he is. I know that he didn't have as good a year this year as he did last year, but he's still a year removed from being a Selkie Trophy runner-up. He's still a year removed from being a 40-goal guy, and he's still under the age of 30. So I think right now, to put it frank, I think Lindholm wants to get paid and wants this to be um, the type of deal that puts him as one of the higher paid centers in the NHL. And and he's not going to be a he's not going to be touching McDavid or McKinnon or or numbers like that. But if he's in the nine million dollar range, that's a very highly paid NHL center. And I still think you know is is nine ideal? Maybe not. But if the difference is eight and a half's your offer, and that's not good enough to sway Lindholm, but if you go to nine, it does. I'm taking that. I'm I'm making that five hundred thousand dollar jump to get him to stay. Now I don't know if that will get him to stay. He remains undecided or hasn't told the Flames the decision. I know that there. Uh, Frank Saravalli said the 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 league thought is that. He's leaning towards not staying, but the Flames wait for an answer. There's also reporting out there that this thing isn't done. So I, I'm not ready to close the door on Lindholm. I absolutely believe that they have put more than a competitive offer on the table for him. And now we wait. This is the one that we could talk about for hours or days, to be perfectly I mean, honest. We have, because We already have. And we will continue we will. to do so. Because the decision on Lindholm, whether it's Lindholm's decision, whether the Calgary Flames get to a number that's too high for them to to desire signing him long-term, Elias Lindholm is the linchpin for the Calgary Flames this summer, whether he stays or whether he goes. He's the most important domino to fall for Craig Conroy. He's your number one center. He's a legit number one center in the league. I've said it before. I don't know if he's necessarily a top 15, but I'd make a strong argument that he's a top 20 center in this league. And we know how hard the Calgary Flames historically have had to search to find a guy that can fall into the classification of a number one center historically. So when you've got one and you've had one here for a couple of seasons, to see him leave is going to be difficult regardless of the return. Now, if we're talking Bo Horvat money, eight times 8.5, I think that's quite manageable okay, for what the if, Calgary What Flames. if it had to go eight by nine? Now, if it has to go nine, What's the, are, you willing, are you willing, I was gonna say, are you willing to lose your number one center for the next six years of that contract, perhaps? Over 500K a year. Over $500,000 a year. I don't know if that's necessarily the best asset management. And again, but, I just but at some point, you have to have that cliff that I'm not willing to go over. So if it's 500 now, and then it's another 500, then it's another 500, and suddenly you're up to 1.5 or 2 million, then you got to take a look at the situation. And I just want to be very, very clear that I'm I'm not suggesting that there is a $500,000 right. gap. I'm not saying... I believe that there is a very competitive deal on the table that has an AAV of somewhere between eight and a half or in the nine million dollar range on the deal on the table right now for Lindholm as they await his decision. And all I'm saying is that, yeah, the the eight by eight and a half is a good target in Bo Horvat. I think Lindholm. I, I love Horvat. I do. I still think Lindholm brings a little bit more yep, than Horvat does, but Horvat's younger. So there's you know two sides of that. And so, but if, if it was the difference between, like, if you had to go a little bit more to keep Lindholm, I'm fine. Does eight by nine have sticker shock on it? Yeah, maybe, but I'm still willing to do it if I'm the flames, because as you said, if you don't, now you're spending the next, however many years looking for the next Lindholm. And while it might have sticker shock today 
Does it have it in two years when the cap jumps? Does it have it in five years when the cap's even higher? I mean, those are hypothetical rhetorical questions. We won't know until we know those figures and we know how productive Elias Lindholm is over the course of those seasons of his career. But from the player perspective, I don't follow Elias Lindholm for chasing the money whatsoever. He's looking for his first massive payday. And I'm not trying to undersell $4 million contracts and $5 million contracts is not rich contracts. But the next contract Elias Lindholm signs, if it's an eight-year deal, that's going to take him to age 37. This might be a retirement contract for Elias Lindholm. So why not grab as much as you can? I understand it from the team perspective. You want to keep his number, your number one, but you might have a limit to what you're willing or able to pay. From the player perspective, you want to get as much as you can because in theory, this could be his last crack at padding the bank account before it's all said and done in his career. Question is, will it be here? And and again, if you're the Flames and you've got a competitive deal on the table and you're not making progress or you're not hearing something, I fully believe the con I just watched I just watched Heat um on, on Wednesday night with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro and Val. Like they were in your condo with you um, watching? Yeah, yeah. They were no they're in the movie. Oh, okay. Um and and so <laughs> I knew that for the record. I know. Um, and, and there's the scene where Robert De Niro and Al Pacino are having coffee together. One of my favorite scenes in, in cinema period. And, and basically Al Pacino says, Hey, if it's the difference between you and you widowing another, uh, another person's wife, um, I, I like you're going down. And then, and then De Niro quick facts that there's another side of that coin. Basically what he says, I will not hesitate to put you down. And, and so that's what I'm thinking about right now. The, I, I fully, I, I am quite confident based on everything I've no, everything I know and everything I've checked in on that yeah, Conroy and the Flames won't hesitate to make a deal if they're not feeling like this is making progress. And and that doesn't necessarily mean there is a hard deadline because I they want to make sure they get this right. But if the, it becomes a point where it's like, okay, like we're not making any progress here. We need to go in a different direction. I, I don't think there's going to be second guessing. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of uh, humming and hawing. I, I think that they will, if these guys aren't going to sign, or if it is not making meaningful progress, I fully believe the Flames will make these deals and will go down that road. So the other element I haven't talked about yet that I want to kind of bring up in regards to Elias Lindholm is he wants to know the direction of the Calgary Flames. He doesn't just want to cash in. He wants to play on a competitive team. He wants to win. There's a lot of news coming out of Calgary right now, Pat. I don't know if you've caught any of it that might impact Calgary's ability to be competitive. So then you layer that on top of everything regarding Elias Lindholm specifically, whether or not the Calgary Flames, you know, move Hannafin and what the return is, whether it's futures or whether it's futures that you parlay into something that can help you now or whether it's a straight hockey trade. But then you start layering some of the other things we've heard, and we'll get to that in a second. How much of the the news, the every single day, it seems there's another element of this guy might be leaning this way or this guy might be leaning that way that will also hinder or impact Elias Lindholm's decision wow. and willingness to be a member of the Calgary Flames. I guarantee you that all of the news and all of what has gone down has played into Tyler Toffoli's decision to tell him that he's not coming back. As Elliot Friedman says, that... Uh, he is now available for trades. So throw another name out there in Tyler Toffoli, another player with one year left on his deal. This was uh, Daily Faceoffs Frank Saravalli with the boys on the big show Thursday morning with what he's hearing on Michael Backlund. He, at this exact moment in time, 
subject to change, is also leaning towards not re-signing with the Flames. That's the one that really surprised me because he's been there so long. And, and of course, I think if the Flames had their choice, you know, they'd want to re-sign him and bring him back because of his impact and because they think he's a good player. Maybe that's the one guy on this list that has the best chance of, of re-signing and coming back. Given all of that. So that was Frank with the boys on the big show Thursday morning. And look, on the Backlund front with that type of um, with that type of news, just knowing what he said on locker cleanout day and with Hannafin and maybe Lindholm leaving already, guy wants to win a Stanley Cup. And yeah, I think Daryl was part of the picture for Michael Backlund and whether or not he was coming back. But the guy was very, was he not adamant on locker cleanout day that he wants to win a Stanley Cup? Oh yeah, it was, uh, it was one of the ones that we had discussion over that you kind of understood the most. Listen, he spent 900 games as a member of the Calgary Flames. He has not seen the Western Conference final. He's seen the second round twice, if I'm remembering correctly, just trying to do some quick math. He's a competitive guy. And he's the kind of individual that I think at his age and his experience is going to put winning in front of everything else. And to be perfectly honest, if I'm the Calgary Flames or another team, I want that kind of guy on my roster. I want a guy that desires winning so much he's willing to go so far out of his comfort zone, leave the only NHL team he's ever known in order to chase the Stanley Cup. That's the kind of competitiveness I want on my roster. So to hear that news... It's not surprising at all, considering it's exactly what he said on Locker Cleanout Day when we were sitting in front of him asking him questions about his future. And I think, again, the Flames are of the opinion right now and are in the mindset right now that if these guys aren't going to sign, whether it's Backland, whether it's Lindholm, whether it's Toffoli, whether it's Hannafin, and I think uh, if you were to go power rankings, I think Toffoli and Hannafin are now very much in the very likely to be traded ballpark here um, or almost certainly to be traded I think right now you're in a situation like that. If if they're not going to resign, they will be traded. And and I think that that Conroy made that pretty clear at his introductory news conference. And everything I'm led to believe is that is exactly where the Flames are right now. If you want to resign, let's have the conversation. If you're not going to resign, then we're going to move in a different direction, and they will go down the road and won't hesitate to make the right type of deals. And the other the, the other things that I think are important to point out. I know that the draft is coming up, and I know that the draft is, uh, you know, for Brad Tree Living, Conroy's predecessor. We all know the type of moves that oh, Tree yeah. made at the draft, and could be a very large hunting ground for them to make moves at the draft. However, however, I don't think that the draft is a hard deadline for them because they want to get this right. And and look, the strength of the 2023 NHL draft needs to be taken into consideration. And yes, that should be a consideration when they make these deals. But I, am there, I, I believe the Flames are willing to get this right. I believe the Flames are willing to make the right deal. And if that means that something doesn't happen involving a 2023 pick and they have to wait to get what they feel is a better deal for a Noah Hannafin who... If they're going to trade Hannafin, a first-round pick should be coming back. If they're going to trade Lindholm, a first-round pick should be coming up back, and, and in both cases, plus. But if that if it has to be a 2024 first-round pick to get a better deal than something that you do a little bit more hastily to make sure you get it done before 
the ninth or twelfth or seventeenth overall pick. Please don't. I don't know who holds those picks off by heart. I'm just throwing numbers out there. But if you're going to get a better deal by waiting, the Flames are willing to do that. I don't believe the draft is. A hard deadline. I believe they want to make sure that every stone is unturned or overturned to make sure that they can retain their guys. And if it becomes clear, like it feels like it is with Hannafin and Toffoli, that they're not, then they will make trades. But they also are going to make sure they get those trades right. I'm a big fan of that strategy, strategy, pardon me, particularly on Elias Lindholm. If I'm Craig Conroy, if I'm the Calgary Flames, the last thing I want to do right now is pressure Elias Lindholm into this decision. Because, Pat, if you told me right now, hey, I've got a decision. I've got to either ride with you or Flames Talk family member Wes Gilbertson. Hard deadline. You have 24 hours aside. I'm just going to say you can bugger off. Don't put me in that position. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. You're giving me an artificial deadline. It's, what even it's said not, there it's not his, for me. In his clip about Lindholm, they're not yep. pressuring. They, yep. they just so, want to make sure that they get it right. And that's the perfect scenario for trying to retain your number one center. The trick here now is there's going to be a lot of affinity for trying to get something done before the 2023 draft because those returns are immediate. Those returns have a name on them. So if you're a fan and you go, I'm trading Noah Hannafin and it's going to allow me to draft, for example, don't know what the pick is going to be in return, but I'm going to say Matthew Wood. That's a name that Flames fans are going to be attached to immediately because they can see the face. You can't see the face of a 2024 NHL draft pick, first yeah. rounder. The flip side to it is, 31 NHL teams have a set of faces already attached to their pick. They're just trying to determine which one it is. So you're asking an NHL team to part with a first rounder. First round picks never going to be more expensive than the week of the draft because those are tangible names that project out to your roster in one, two, three years, depending on who you're drafting and how NHL ready they are. They're a lot more freely moved at the trade deadline but even more so in the summer preceding the draft because they don't have a face necessarily. You don't know where you're picking as a well, scouting staff. You Kachuk, don't know what's happening. Kachuk didn't get done at the draft. That got done two weeks later yep. or whatever it was. Well, and that was a player-for-player player return. I'm saying NHL teams... A, there was a first-round pick in that deal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which was ended up flipping to Montreal to... But at the time, that, at was, the time. that was months later. And I, my argument is it's easier to pry a first-round pick off an NHL team, maybe get a bit better return, after the draft, when you're looking 11 months away from that draft, because that's not a sunk asset until 11 months later. It's house money, if you will. It's an intangible asset that you can just attach to a deal. And I'm not saying first-round picks just get attached, but it's a lot easier to convince an NHL team to part with a first-round pick 11 months from the draft as opposed it is one week. Um, then there's the Toffoli situation. I think, you know, if you're Tyler Toffoli, you see where things are going. And again, it's not like you think that, you think Toffoli hasn't texted Lindholm or hasn't texted Backlund or Hannafin? Oh, there's a group chat going. The, like, guys know what other guys are doing. Toffoli has talked to Conroy. Toffoli was initially open to re-signing when we sat there on locker cleanout day. But Lots happened since then. Basically, the entire organization has changed since he sat there and talked to us in mid-April. Um and so, yeah, you can understand how decisions or minds might change between then and now. And so, yeah, I bet you Toffoli, Toffoli wants to win. Toffoli looks at every decision that he's made, he's been hoping to win. And it's worked out pretty decently for him. He went to Cup Final in Montreal, and uh, he had the nice run in Vancouver when he was traded. He came here uh, and went to a, uh, went to a second round. But Toffoli's 31, wants to win. He's got a year left on his deal and knows that the next contract he signs will probably be the last 
longish-term deal that he'll get in the NHL and so wants to put himself in a spot where, where he wants to win. And much like you were talking about with Lindholm, if you're Tyler Toffoli, you look at it and say, well, if this group is going to rebuild, and that's the next part we're going to get to, that maybe it is time for me to also be forthright and honest and say, hey, I'm probably not going to be re-signing. Which leads us to maybe the most important part of all of this is what the hell do these trades look like? Because the Flames pulled a rabbit out of the hat when oh, they yeah. made that deal in July to send Matthew Kachuk to Florida. When they traded one, I guess they traded two assets because there was, I think there was a pick that went to Florida and they got all the assets back. They got two NHL players and a prospect and a first round pick. But that was very clearly a win-now move by getting two guys closer to 30 than 25 in both Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberto, established NHLers, and then signing them each to eight-year extensions. That was a win-now move. I don't think that's what we're talking about here. I really don't. I, I, I believe the Flames are okay making futures-type deals. I believe the Flames are okay in, look, the, the rebuild word, it's seven letters. But it's treated like a four-letter word sometimes in this market. So call it whatever you want. A shift, a reshape, a retool, a reload, a refurbish, whatever word you want to use it, I do think the Flames, as much out of necessity as anything else, are, are willing to make the type of deal that is going to bring back picks, prospects, younger NHLers as opposed to the type of deal they made with Matthew Kachuk, which I think is crucial because as of right now, if you're going to be trading one, two, three potential core members of your team in the offseason, you can't be chasing right now deals on all of them. You just can't. So as a result, yeah, I know a lot of people have been clamoring for this is the time to rebuild. This is the time to retool on the fly or whatever else you want to call it. Well, if they if if they are look, we think they're going to trade Hannafin, and we'll see what happens with Lindholm. Those are the two guys that I think you have the max value on. Yeah, I think the Flames are absolutely open to making the type of deal that will decrease their competitiveness in the immediacy because you're losing the best player right now in the deal, but you're bringing back the types of future deals that are important. I, I think the Flames are willing to do that if they have to make some of these trades this summer. I'm just going to go with the hypothetical that you've got four deals to make this summer. I don't think there are four hockey trades out there to be had. I don't think you're finding four times what you were able to do with Matthew Kachuk in terms of bringing back players that keep you competitive now. And if there are, I don't think you're winning any of them with the way things are sitting today with and other NHL GMs knowing you've got to make these trades with other GMs, maybe not seeing an extension attached to these deals. I just don't understand the scenario where out there, there are four hockey trades to be had and they're quote unquote winnable hockey trades. I just don't see it. Right? So now, so now right. you move into exactly. a situation where it's a lot easier to move a guy for futures, whether that be picks, prospects, even just getting the additional cap space as well to maybe make a move somewhere else. But the one thing with those future trades that I'm not going to necessarily push back on the, the rebuild idea, but if you start gathering a couple firsts, a couple seconds, restocking your immediate prospect pool, whether that's players still going back to junior or that will report to the Calgary Wranglers, those are still trade assets that you can have hold on to, whether it's short-term or long-term, whether you hold them into the season or try to flip them immediately later in the summer you can still take those future assets and try to rebuild your roster by finding another team that's looking to 
quote unquote, unload a player for whether it's cap purposes, whether it's a situation similar to what the Calgary Flames face, but that player coming back is willing to spend some time in Calgary. There's certain ways to go about it. I just don't know if there's going to be, and again, hypothetically, four guys want to leave. I don't know if there's four hockey trades out there. Yeah, and I think chasing four right now oh, no, deals that's, would just be complete. How do you even keep those deals together like in your being, head? You're being very self-aware and intellectually honest if you make deals that are more focused on the future. And yeah, maybe you do go into a rebuild or retool if you don't like the word rebuild, call it something else. But going to... Such a taboo word. I know. Reload on the fly. They mean the same damn thing. But reload on the fly. Go in, like There's nothing wrong with that based on these scenarios because you're basically... The tea leaves are telling you what to do, and I believe the Flames are reading the tea leaves as it stands right now. Just before we uh, hit the break... Um, and uh, the quick reset. We'll bring in Derek Wills to chat about this in just a couple minutes. Uh, per Jeff Merrick, Mitch Love will be joining the Washington Capitals organization. So uh, Mitch Love no longer the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, we believe he was offered a job on the Flame staff, but he's going to go join the... Uh, don't know that for sure. I don't think that's been out there, but that was kind of the prevailing thought was that's going to happen. Um, but Mitch Love to go join the Washington Capitals and join Spencer Carberry staff. I get it. It sucks, but I get it. You're looking to chase down... A head coaching job in the NHL. So it's to, the cost of doing business for the Calgary Flames. Exactly. And and for him, you know, being mobile and willing to chase what are in his in his in his opinion, I think the perception is if you're willing to leave the organization and go elsewhere and chase down a job that is a better fit for him, it shows how serious you are about being a head coach in the NHL. So I, I, I don't blame Mitch Love at all. I still think Ryan Husko was a great choice. I really, really yep. do. But it sucks that they're losing Mitch Love, and it's unfortunate. And Washington's getting a really, really good head coach, and I think we're only a few years away from Mitch Love being a head coach in the NHL. It was always my vibe, and this isn't based on any information, so this is just me on the spidey sense tingling, is whichever internal option the Calgary Flames went with, there stood a good chance that they were going to lose the other candidate. And this is a scenario where if and when Mitch Love does go to the Washington Capitals, that's the byproduct of making Ryan Huska your head coach. You Head coaches are just as competitive, if not more, as players. And when you're vying for one of 32 dream jobs in the National Hockey League and you're told, you know what, we're going to go with another guy, it fuels your fire, it fuels your competitiveness, and it fuels you looking at opportunities where you can find the path more defined to becoming an NHL head coach. Believe that we are close to hearing the rest of the coaching staff. I'm not sure it's 100% finalized as of yet, but I believe we're close to that. Elliot Friedman reporting that Kale McLean and Dan Lambert will be part of Ryan Huska's staff. Uh, I believe that to be true, that both uh, Lambert and and um, Lambert and McLean, uh, so retaining Kale McLean and adding Dan Lambert, who has got plenty of NHL assistant work. He's got AHL and Western League head coaching work. He also is familiar with Ryan Huska going back to Huska's final years as the head coach of the Kelowna, Ro- Kelowna Rockets. Lambert was on his staff. So, yeah, I believe that we'll be hearing that. That's from Elliot Friedman, but I believe that is the direction that they are leaning. I also think Jason LaBarbera will be back as goaltending coach. Um, I, I believe that that's the way that things are leaning. So, I think LaBarbera will be back. And then you've got Kale McLean and Dan Lambert on that staff. 
and we'll see if there's one more added to the staff as well uh, because they, with Huska moving up, with Muller out, with Love not coming back, um, they were kind of uh, missing some bodies. So they had three assistants and a goaltending coach. With McLean and Lambert, there's two assistants, so there's yep. room for one more. And then LaBarber back as the goaltending coach is the way things are trending right now. Uh, we'll see the way we'll see we'll see when that ends up being made official. But that's kind of where things are leaning on the coaching staff side of things. Flames fans obviously familiar with the name Kale McLean. Dan Lambert worked with Ryan Huska in Cologne, as you mentioned, from 09010 to 1314. And most recently, he was an assistant with the Nashville Predators. Believe he was running their power play. And nugget from our Logan Gordon, I believe the Nashville Predators in 21-22 set a franchise record with their power play, clicking at about 24.5-ish percent, somewhere in there. Don't have the exact number, but he's got some power play experience as well. Whew. There's an absolute bleep load that Wait, we that's just it? hit. For now. Scratching the surface. Goodness gracious. Uh, we'll be at the NHL draft next week. Yeah, we will. Flames talk from Nashville brought to you by our friends at Cal- Calgary Lock and Safe. Summer's here, and so is high staff turnover. Reduce your business's risk with the restricted key system from Calgary Lock and Safe. CalgaryLockandSafe.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Maddie Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, rolling on this hour of Flamestock on a Thursday. If only we had things to talk about. Now, these days in June can get really, really long. Flames haven't played a game in more than two months. What are we going to talk about? Oh, wait a minute. Let's welcome in Derek Wills to the program to uh, chime in on what we've already heard and talked about on this Thursday. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting time to be a Flames fan, Mr. Wills. Two summers in a row, Pat. I mean, I thought it was going to be tough to top last summer as far as uh, the level of change, but uh, this summer might blow it right out of the water depending on what these seven UFAs next summer decide that they want to do or uh, that the team wants to do with them. So, uh, we know who the general manager is. We know who the head coach is. And uh, now we have to wait and see uh, who wants to sign with the team long-term and potentially who doesn't and then where they go from there. Well, where do you want to start? Uh, the newest news on Thursdays on to Foley being available for trade per Elliot Friedman. Then there's also... Uh, Noah Hannafin, who we believe will be dealt this summer. The uncertainty surrounding both Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund. Like, where do you where do you want to start on this one? Well, the Tyler Toffoli one is interesting. I mean, that was potentially going to be a tricky one, and could still be a tricky one for the Flames because at the age of thirty one, he's coming off of a career year. And if I were Tyler Toffoli or his agent, I would be trying to cash in on that. And I don't think he's going to get a long-term six, seven, eight-year contract from anybody, but I would be trying to squeeze as much term and as much money 
out of the Flames or potentially another team as I could. You've got to strike while the iron is hot. Led the Flames in goals and points last season, and uh, the iron is certainly hot for Tyler Toffoli right now. And he's on a really team-friendly contract. So if he is available and you're a team that thinks that you're one winger away from potentially competing for a Stanley Cup, he's a guy who you could bring in without potentially having to make any other moves or any other major moves as far as cap space is concerned. So that's an interesting one. I do wonder, though, if him potentially being available is a domino that might fall because of the Elias Lindholm situation. And listening to 32 Thoughts with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman, they talked about the fact that Lindholm really is the I think the word they used was a linchpin. Correct. And uh, based on what he decides to do, that could lead the Flames in one direction. And I would suspect that direction is the direction that we thought they were headed in to start last season. And that's to try to contend for a Stanley Cup. If he stays, I think the Flames will do everything they can to, to make themselves contenders for next season. If he doesn't, that might lead to other dominoes falling. And when I say that, I mean, other players also deciding that they don't want to be a part of this long term. And then the Flames are in a position where they, I'm still not sure they're going to rebuild, but I think they'd have to retool, wouldn't they? I think Tyler Toffoli just isolated himself is the most interesting of the seven pending unrestricted free agents next summer. As you mentioned, he's 31 now. He'd be 32 by the time his final season kind of like when he's an unrestricted free agent and he's yet, he's the leading scorer, 34 goals for the Calgary flames this year, 73 points age 31. He gets to age 32. And then if he's looking for a six or a seven year deal, that takes him to 38 or 39. And as you mentioned, Wilsey, him and his agent specifically his agents probably going, Hey, let's uh, let's get everything we can here. This is a retirement type contract for you. I don't know from a Calgary Flames perspective how excited I would be at the thought of a long-term deal at seven or seven and a half. So if you just pretend that they don't have six other pending unrestricted free agents, Tyler Toffoli would be an interesting case study on what do you do with him? Because as you mentioned, he's been your most productive forward. He's a leader in that room. He touches a lot of the things that you want on a team that's trying to be a contender and trying to stay competitive. At the same time, he's in that age range where the Calgary Flames have kind of been criticized in the past about you know, you're moving an old core. You're moving into an older core when you should be looking perhaps younger. So the fact that Tyler Toffoli is now out there and available, to me, it's an interesting case because would you like to retain your leading score? Yes. You look at sort of the vitals and you go 31, 32 years old by the time he that extension kicks in. Then you look at Elias Lindholm wanting to remain competitive and that factoring into his decision whether he stays or he goes. Tyler Toffoli adds so many wrinkles to not only his own situation, but the other's other situations as well as whether or not they want to stick around, whether it's Lindholm, Backlund, um, Hannafin, so on and so forth. It's just so curious given where Tyler Toffoli's at at this moment. Yeah, and with all due respect to Tyler Toffoli, and I thought he was fantastic last season, Yeah, I can't give him a six, seven, eight-year contract. I just can't. Uh, Elias Lindholm, for me, is different. He's younger. He's your number one centerman, which is something you've been looking for for the better part of two decades You've got that guy. I would do almost anything to keep that guy long-term. And I think a lot like Patrice Bergeron, who is, I think, a really good comparable for Elias Lindholm, he's a guy who could age well and play at a high level 
into his mid to late 30s. So I would worry a lot less about giving Elias Lindholm uh, a long-term deal than I would Tyler Toffoli. And, hey, maybe uh, Lindholm doesn't age well, and, and Toffoli does. Uh, you never know, but that's just kind of how I see it. But, you know, if Elias Lindholm decides that he wants to continue his hockey career elsewhere, you know, chances are it's going to be before the start of next season. I don't think the Flames can go into the season with him. And then I wonder who else decides that uh, they want to move on as well. Michael Backlund's one for me was kind of tied to Elias Lindholm because Backlund has talked about how at his age and at this stage of his career, his number one priority is to, if not win a Stanley Cup, then have a chance to compete for one. And if the Flames lose Lindholm and potentially others, I've got to think that Backlund's probably going to be in a position where he believes that his best chance to win is somewhere else. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's kind of how I see it. Are we... Okay, let's just for a second. First, actually, no, before I go down the, the look, the, the rebuild route, the retool route, it's so much, there, there's so much semantics. They all mean the same thing for the most part in my eyes. But, okay, Lindholm, just quick yes or no. Would you go eight times eight and a half for Elias Lindholm if that would keep him, Willsey? Yes. Yes. I'll say that as quickly as I can. Eight times 8.75. Yes. Yes. Eight times nine. It's taking me a little bit longer to answer that, Pat, but yes. I mean, if it's half a million dollars to keep your number one centerman, it might be a slight, and I mean slight overpay today, but I think a year from now or two years from now, his contract will look good. Yeah. I'm, I'm just as hesitant as Wilsey here. Um, for the sake of the discussion, I'm going to go no. I'm a yes on all three without really... Yeah, is there a little sticker shock on 8 by 9 Yeah, I'd still rather try to keep the best chance, the best option they've had for a number one center in decades. Is he a high-end number one center? No. Is he a number one center on NHL teams, including the Flames? Yes. And I just... Could you get that in a trade? Maybe, but knowing what that... I, I still think re-signing Lindholm is the way to go for this organization if he's willing to do so. But if 8 by 9 isn't going to get it done and you're not making progress, then again, as we've talked about all summer long, then yeah. And I, I don't believe the Flames will hesitate to make a trade there, Wilsey. I think... If they're not making progress, or if he says, hey, I'm on the fence, then it's like, thank you. We appreciate your honesty. Enjoy wherever your next place is. Thank you very much for your service. You've been a great flame, but we need to make the best deal for our organization. I believe Conroy will do that. I do as well. I don't think he wants to do that, but I think he will do that if he has to do that. And what is fascinating for me is the timeline here, because... Elliot Friedman has reported the Flames aren't pressuring Elias Lindholm to make an immediate decision one way or the other. They're not pressuring him to tell them before the draft, for instance, that, yes, I'm going to stay or no, I'm not going to. But you need to know at some point in time during the offseason, don't you? Yes. That's how I would feel if I was Craig Conroy because, again, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I don't think you can go into the season – with Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin and potentially 
more of those seven pending UFAs. But those two especially, right? Those two especially because they're both former fifth overall picks who have lived up to being fifth overall picks, who are in the prime of their career. Lindholm's a first-line centerman. You could argue that in the right situation, Hannafin would be a first-pairing defenseman. You can't let those guys walk for nothing. You can't. Could you let Michael Backlund walk for nothing? Not ideal, but yes. I mean, he's given you a decade and a half. You invested a first-round pick in him back in 2007. Uh, I think it's safe to say that you've received very good value for that first-round investment. So, uh, and, and Tyler Toffoli, because of his age, do I want him to walk? Do I want him to walk for nothing? No. But at a different stage of his career, and I think the same can be said for Chris Tanev. So if you go into the season with those guys – because you feel like you can get into the playoffs and maybe make some noise. I think that not all Flames fans, that's for sure, but some Flames fans, maybe even most, could wrap their heads around that. But I know there are a lot of people out there that think it's time for the Flames to rebuild or retool, depending on your definition. And, Pat, I actually do think there is a difference between those two things. I look at what the Rangers did. Now, granted, they're in a different situation than the Flames because that is such a desirable market for so many players, but they retooled and they did it pretty quickly. Now, then again, they got a Norris trophy winner and Adam Fox for next to nothing because the only place you would play was in New York for the Rangers. So when you have that advantage, uh, I think it puts you in a position that not many teams are in, but a rebuild for me is something that is probably going to take a minimum of four or five years. And then at the end of that stretch, there's no guarantee that you're going to be in a better spot than when you started the rebuild. So, again, I can't see the Flames rebuilding. Even if Elias Lindholm informs them he's not going to sign a long-term extension. But I do think that there's going to be a trickle-down effect. If he goes, I think potentially other guys will as well. So are you – okay, guys, I'll get to the timing thing in a second. But, okay, let's just for sake of this conversation – Toffoli has already informed them he's not coming back, according to uh, Elliot and Frank. Uh, we Hannafin, we know, has already said he's not going to re-sign. So there's two. Let's just assume, let's just throw Lindholm as the third name in there. So now you are trading all of Lindholm, Hannafin, and Toffoli this summer. I don't think you can make a hockey trade on, like, you can't make a hockey trade on all three of those. Like, you're not getting the Kachuk deal on all three of those deals. And if you chase that, I think you're hurting yourself. And I think if that is what the Flames are forced into doing, I believe they should and will look at rebuild, retool, relo. Like, I think they will look at future type deals, picks, prospects and younger NHLers, which means that they will get less competitive. Or the thought would be because they're losing the quote-unquote best player right now in a deal that maybe they're not as competitive for a year or two or three while some of these pieces start to get integrated into the lineup. And I think I think that's absolutely what the Flames will be looking at and should be looking at if if they're forced into making deals when it comes to Lindholm, when it comes to Hannafin specifically. Like if you're if you're losing a 28 year old number one center on your team, Vix, who's a 40 goal scorer, and you're getting a first round pick and a prospect back, well, yeah, you're not going to be as good as you were the year before, most likely because you've just lost one of your most important players without 
an immediate replacement. Well, and then layer in your leading scorer from the season before and a 26-year-old defenseman that was second on your team in ice time. You're not going to be nearly as competitive as you were. You want to stay competitive, and who knows what happens with the kids or whomever that comes back. But you're less skilled than you were prior to making those deals. And I'm in agreement with you. I don't think there's three hockey trades to be had. I think you evaluate each trade on its own merit. And if the best deal to be had in your eyes is a hockey trade, perfect. If it's a futures trade, you take that too. And I'm going to be leaning on Willsey a little bit here because I agree there's a difference between a rebuild and a retool. Rebuild is a teardown. A retool to me is, you know, maybe you take some of those assets and flip them for NHL ready like, yeah, talent right now. I don't think right they're going to be I don't tanking, know if we're arguing semantics here on that front, but I do think there's a little bit of a difference. But yes, you're not going to be icing as skilled a roster next season if you lose those three guys via trade as compared to what you had on the ice in 2022-2023. Yeah, the way I see it, of the three guys we're talking about here, so Lindholm, DeFoley, and Hannafin. And throw, I guess we can throw Backlund into that conversation too. I guess, but I think they have a chance to make a hockey trade for Noah Hannafin because there are so few top four defensemen available, whether it be via trade or through unrestricted free agency, that I think someone is going to pay a real premium for Hannafin. So I think the Flames could potentially get a top six forward. So I think they could make a hockey trade. Make a deal with a team that maybe has a surplus of those guys but needs some help on defense. I could see them making that type of trade. But what, what isn't going to happen is the Flames trading a number one centerman in Elias Lindholm for another number one centerman. Like, that, that ain't going to happen. The team acquiring Lindholm is looking to fill a hole uh, as their number one centerman. They're not looking to make a, a hockey trade one for one there. So, And as far as Toffoli, I could see the Flames making a similar deal for him as the one the Canadians did when they traded him to the Flames. Uh, maybe you get an NHL roster player with some picks and prospects, that type of thing. Uh, he's the type of guy who I think, again, could help a team uh, on uh, the periphery uh, potentially get in or, or get over the top if they believe that they're ready to contend. Uh, as far as Michael Backlund, one team I really wonder about, and, and this would apply to both Michael Backlund and Noah or Elias Lindholm, the Boston Bruins. Because when I think about players who they could plug and play to replace Patrice Bergeron, who I believe is retiring, although we don't know that for sure, but it certainly looked that way when he stepped off the ice following uh, game seven of that first round series against the Panthers. If the Bruins still believe they're in a window to compete for the Stanley cup, I think they're going to just try to replace him with a similar player. I'm not saying Michael Backlund is on that level, but I think Elias Lindholm is. And if they can't get Lindholm, then I think Backlund would be a guy who could come in and give them maybe not uh, those type of minutes, but similar minutes it's and fun. play the same type of hockey. So I, I do wonder about the Bruins when it comes to both Lindholm and Backlund. It's funny because you mentioned Bergeron for Lindholm. I was looking at Kretschy and Backlund to a certain degree. Yeah, I mean, that works as well. And, hey, Hannafin's from Boston. Maybe you trade all three of them in the same deal. I say that tongue-in-cheek, of course. Yeah, I just I, – I, I think – I think it's important that the Flames are open to this. And look, I'm not saying that that, that is 100% the way it's going to go, that they, they wouldn't make, but I, I yeah, I, they're very much open to making future-type deals. And they had that type of deal on the table a year ago for Matthew Kachuk. They decided to go with the established NHLers. I just, 
you know, Lindholm will maybe not quite to the same extent as Kachuk, but if he is made available for trade with that contract and a year left, you are going to get huge offers. And I, I think if you're the Flames, you have to, especially with other players walking out, I just, I don't know if there's a chance you can win a hockey trade with either Hannafin or Lindholm, but specifically Lindholm. I think you have to be willing to make a deal that involves picks and prospects instead. And, and we don't have a ton of time here left, but I also think it's important that they don't put a hard deadline on this. Yes, the temptation to get picks in this year's draft is large, and if the right deal is there between now and some point on Wednesday night in the first round, then yes, of course. I'm not saying, but it has to be the right deal. You have to be you have to be holding firm to what you believe is the value for these players. And if you believe waiting into July is the way to do that, then you have to be okay with that. And I, I also think the Flames are, are willing to be patient because I think they want to make sure they have lay, left no stone untouched. And I still think that the door is open specifically on Backland and Lindholm for a re-signing here. I think you want to make sure that you leave stones unturned or you don't leave stones unturned rather. And once you are sure that you're making the right call to trade or not to trade, that if you are to trade, I think they're also willing to be patient to make sure they make the right deal. Yeah, and here's another way to look at it. So if you have to trade, let's say, Elias Lindholm or Tyler Toffoli or Noah Hannafin for futures, it doesn't mean that you couldn't flip those futures to another team to to bring in NHL-ready players. Or maybe it's a three-way deal. We've already seen one three-way deal uh, since the end of last season, probably the biggest trade since the end of last season. So those, I guess, wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility either. But for me, again, it all kind of comes back to Elias Lindholm. What does he decide to do if he decides to stay? But I think the Flames very much look like a team that should at least compete for a playoff spot next season. And if they have to, to plug holes left by Noah Hannafin and Tyler Toffoli, I think that they can do that both by graduating guys from the AHL, allowing guys to play in bigger roles, or uh, going outside and, and finding someone in free agency or through a trade. But for me, Lynn Tomes, uh, as Elliot Friedman has said, he's the linchpin. Uh, what does he decide to do? And it sounds like he's still very much uh, open-minded to staying, which uh, if I'm a Flames fan, or in my case, a Flames broadcaster. Well, I think, I'm happy to hear that. I think the the best way of putting it is that murky and uncertain. I don't know if I would go as far from what I know, saying that you know optimistic he stays, but I think the door is not closed at the very, very least, which means things could turn optimistic here at some point this summer. We got to roll, Wilsey. Good stuff. Appreciate it, pal. Good chat, guys. Talk soon. Thanks, buddy. Uh, that's Derek Wills, voice of the Flames, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline as we wrap up what was a rather eventful hour. He's uh, Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg, and uh, the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, thanks to our friends who are the 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344.